Hello, and a very warm welcome to Take the Mic with me, Ketna Tanner. This is a podcast that welcomes you to share your story. On the mic with me today are a group of my university friends, and we are spread across four different time zones to make this episode happen in what is Take the Mic's biggest roundtable yet. We have Sam from Singapore, Nahid, who is in Bangladesh at the moment, and Dipali and Hidden, who are joining us from New Zealand. Statistics and studies over recent years have shown that people are becoming more reluctant to talk about faith and religion. Today's conversation is looking into each of the speakers' journeys with faith and what the word religion means to them. We're also going to explore some of the reasons as to why belief in God and religion is a conversation that is being dropped off the table. Sam, Nahin, Dipali and Hithin, thank you all so much for joining and welcome to Take the Mic. Thanks, Ketna. Thanks for having us. How are you doing in Singapore, Sam? Yeah, no, good. Everything is good here. Good to hear that. And the Pali and Hithin, how are you? Wild Saturday night for you, hey? Wild Saturday night for us today. Recording a podcast. <laughs> it's 10 past 10. We're here in our PJs recording a podcast. As you do. And Nahin, you have just recently got married. Congratulations. Thank you. Yeah, I think uh, it's been a it's been a journey, shall we say? Um, but exciting starting journey so far. So it's good. I'm good. Thank you. What does wifey think of you giving up your Saturday afternoon so soon? I mean, you'd be on honeymoon now, wouldn't you? She loves it. She's quite a generous person, I think. Hey. He knows what to say already. <laughs> it's either she's very generous or he's already annoying her. <laughs> getting some downtime away from me on a weekend. (laughs) (laughs) Well, listen, thank you all for making it in spite of all the time differences. To start with, please, could you introduce yourselves in the context of today's episode? Sam, let's start with you. Right. I'm Sam, short for Samantha. I'm a lawyer and I'm practicing in Singapore. Um, I'm at Ketna University and I'm a Christian. Thank you. Dips and Hidden? Hi, Kets. I'm Dipali. I'm from the UK, but currently living in New Zealand. I'm married to Hidden on the call. My family is Hindu, but I I believe in God, but I wouldn't consider myself very religious. And I'm the other half, so I'm Hitten, born in the UK, but living in New Zealand. Um, I probably call myself a practicing Hindu and have a keen interest in spirituality. Uh, I was born up in a, brought up in a large kind of Indian Hindu community in Crawley um, in UK, where we were involved in the temple and stuff. Okay, last but not least, Nahin. Hi, I'm Nahin. Uh, I am originally Bangladeshi, as uh, Ketna mentioned. Uh, I am a Muslim, but I think similar to the Pali, I'm not a very practicing Muslim. I believe in God, but I'm, I have questions regarding certain traditions and certain things we do in the religion. Uh, and that's why I think it's a very interesting topic to talk about. Awesome. Thank you. So, Nahin, I'm going to start us off with you first. You said you are not a practicing Muslim, but you do believe in God. How did faith and religion first come into your life then? So um, in Bangladesh, 95% of the people are, are Muslim, right? So uh, growing up here, it was passed down to me by my parents. In terms of religion, in my views, it's it's like an updated version of religion and morality that's kind of developed over time. So that's how it's, it's come down to me. I was fairly practicing while I was in Bangladesh. Uh, I think when I moved to the UK, I, I became less of a practicing Muslim, essentially, because there were fewer influences that would drag me to the mosque or like make me, you know, practice Islam 
Islam as a religion. And especially as we start jobs and stuff like Friday Juma prayers is one of the key aspects of um, of being a Muslim that you go pray in the afternoon. And because of the working culture in the UK on Fridays, you're at work. So over time, I kind of like stopped praying that prayer. And therefore, I started losing touch a little bit. But also as I as I interact with more people, I have more questions about different religions and started reading books. So I've, I've noticed I've become less practicing. And do you think that level of practice would have transcended had you stayed in Bangladesh and not moved to the UK? Possibly, yeah, because questioning your religion is uh, almost like taboo in Bangladesh. You know, you don't question, you just believe blind faith, faith, right? So when I moved to the UK, we had a, in the university in Warwick, actually, we had a really good imam. So who would talk about religion, who would have like very open discussions. And that really piqued my interest. So, you know, I could see a different world where in religion, they were encouraging you to ask questions and they would debate some answers, right? Uh, and not everything's straightforward, like some things you have to like have blind faith in. Um, but that really encouraged me to think more broadly and be more critical about asking questions. I think the thing that really bothers me is when people say, you know, leave it to God and everything else will fall in place. Like, I kind of dislike that saying because you have to make the effort to change something. You can't just pray and hope that it comes true, you know? Yeah. Okay. That is interesting. And we will pick up on that later. Sam, Like Nahin, you also moved to the UK for studies. How did religion come to be a part of your life? And did you have a similar experience to Nahin when you moved? Well, I guess like like Nahin, mine was my family. So I, I grew up in my religion, my family, my parents, my brothers. We all went to church. We went to Sunday school. But it wasn't until I think we were slightly older that the teachers in the church would then ask you what you believed in and stuff like that. So it wasn't like just because you were brought up in it, you were taught about it, but you weren't automatically assumed to have it, that sort of thing. Yeah. Um, and then after moving to UK, I totally understand what Nahin means means about it because like, going there, suddenly my church is not an easy trip away. It's easily half an hour, one hour's bus ride away and it's far out and it's isolated or it's hard to get to. And then you just start to sort of like not go as much. So I did struggle with that personally as well in terms of like just whether I was going on a Sunday to church. But then after a while, I think I, I've worked things through. And then like now with coronavirus and stuff, although churches have resumed physical service, I, I do all my services online. It's strange. I feel like I've walked a really meandering path in terms of whether I was practicing or not practicing. But at the end of the day, Christianity to me is just, it's not just about the practices, but it's also about the values that you internalize, the principles you internalize. And you practice that throughout your life. So even if, let's say, you weren't going to church or the mosque or whatever on the, on the day that you're supposed to go, you are in your everyday life practicing those values. You are practicing self-control, patience, kindness, so on and so forth. Okay. So if you were not to practice any of those, but you were to maybe, we, we sometimes call it the Sunday Christian. All you do is you go to church on Sunday. You do everything they ask you to do on a Sunday, but from Monday to Friday or Monday to Saturday, you're not, you're not doing the right thing. You're allowing your temper to get ahead of you and so on and so forth. You're not improving yourself as a person. Then yeah, I, I would say that you wouldn't necessarily, you might be considered religious in terms of you are going on Sunday, but you're not really internalizing and understanding what it means to have a religion. Sunday Christian. I haven't heard of that before, but it's a good way of explaining it. Dips, how about you? I think for me, it's really similar to what Nahin said. So religion was passed down to me through my parents. And again, asking questions was just not a thing that they were brought up with, but we have. And so when I ask, so why do we do this? They don't always have the answer. And it's, well, it, we do it because it's how you follow the religion. But 
it's really hard to understand that and to separate the culture from the religion. They're two very different things. And a lot of the things I believe in morally just don't align with the cultural pieces and they're not necessarily linked to the religion. And for a long time, I think that impacted my faith. Yeah. Going back to what Sam said, just living by what your moral values are on everyday being is how I carry out my religion and my faith. As I said, I believe in God, but I find following the way that my parents had taught me to follow Hinduism just wasn't working for me. Going to the temple, I wasn't finding peace or praying. The people there weren't always there for the right reasons. They're more worried about the cultural aspects, what I'm wearing, which is just nothing to do with the religion at all. I find peace when I'm with nature. So going on hikes, actually seeing the world God created, you're like, this can't be an accident. And it brings faith back to me. And it's just a different way for me to experience religion to what my family and traditionally other people around me have. Can I just echo with what Dipali said? Of course. I, I think every religion kind of says the same thing, which is, you know, be a good person. Don't lie. Don't cheat. Don't steal. Don't hurt people. All that kind of stuff is the similar common thread across all religion. And I've re I've started reading a lot of books like, a few years ago. And that's a common thread I found in every religion, in every fundamentals. It was the same thing. What changed is how it was delivered, right? Like who said what and how the story evolves and what are the good deeds you can do, that kind of stuff. Okay, playing devil's advocate to what you have just said, and this is open to the floor. I know people who claim to be religious, wherever they are on the spectrum, but they don't follow the part of their scripture that says don't drink. Would you say that that person falls one step short? Hithin, I can see you shaking your head. <laughs> I, I don't think anything in religion is binary. It's not you are religious or you're not religious because you do something or you don't do something, right? I think religion is a set of values and a set of um, teachings that are passed down to individuals from historical times, right? And God himself in certain respects. So if you drink, but you follow all the other parts of your religion and faith and you live by the values of your religion, then I would say you're just as religious as the next man who's doing everything else that they do on a day-to-day -day basis, right? I don't think any one person does absolutely everything that you should be doing within your religion. Mm, okay. I think to begin with, if we say is a person religious or not, it's more of a term that we use to assess how much a person would follow the rituals in a religion. But I mean that, of course, this is a very different idea from saying, are you a good slash bad person in that religion? So that's the difficulty with the whole, if the religion says don't drink, and it's a very clear command that says don't drink. Like Christianity puts so many things on the same level as murder. Like a sin is a sin in Christianity. Mm -hmm. And you can't, you can't run away from that. And so if Christianity were to say outright, don't drink, then still doing it, you would still be sinning. So I think like part of our discussion has to like keep that in mind because like religion is, it is so much more than also just like, it's, it's very nice to say that, yes, we all agree on the same moral values and stuff like that. But it, it's always like on the broad picture of things, humanity has gotten the right train of thought in terms of how we're supposed to behave to other people in a lot of ways. But actually, if you dig deeper, like you do end up finding that we do have quite a lot of differences within our religion. So there is that as well. Yeah. Sam, um, I'd just like to add to that as well. Sorry, just just yeah. at that point, because that's one thing in, in the Hindu faith as well, where there is so many different sects and ways of practicing that I don't think any one per one Hindu could stand up and say, my way is the right way. Like, I, I don't think anyone could do that. So I think that's a really key point to say as well, that in religion, yeah. I, I don't think that even in within religions, there's not one set way in which you should be practicing. 
in, in in Islam, it's the same situation as well. Like there are different ways of practicing Islam, and different people follow different um, methodologies and rules. Even though you know the you know the faith in God is ultimate, that that exists, that's the same. But the way they practice is is, is different in different sects. Yeah. That is a very good point and really important to appreciate that there are many different ways and you can't really say one is right and one is wrong because of how religion has evolved and as you've said it's also so personal. Hidden, we haven't heard from you in terms of what faith and religion means to you. Yeah, so I guess for for myself, um, my faith comes uh, mainly from my family. So my parents and my grandparents have always been practicing Hindus. Um, and from as young as I remember, I was taught um, to light a lamp, say small prayers um, and hymns. And I still use those prayers and hymns today. Alongside that, there were a bunch of values that I were taught, was taught as well from a young age, right? How important family is, how we be polite, how we look after one another, all of these values. And mm. at the time when I was probably taught these values, I, I probably didn't know that they were coming from our religion, but they do actually come out of our religion. And my parents from a young age were volunteers for the organization that kind of um, started the first um, Hindu temple in Crawley. So I've always kind oh, of wow. been involved, spent many days and nights uh, at the temple, like supporting the setup for events and sort of supporting the setup for all the different festivals that you have, like Janmashtami, Navratri, Diwali, all that sort of stuff. And I guess for me, the way my journey has, has gone, I guess, is initially the journey kind of ebbs and flows. There's certain points in your life where you you have a, a lot of faith right you're you're putting a lot of faith into um what you're doing and then certain points in your life maybe there's less faith but i don't think that makes you less or more religious it just means that you have these uh, ebbs and flows in faith okay and how do you practice your religion so i would say that i practice my religion by two things one is i have a daily set of kind of prayers and puja that i do and that normally involves like bathing a deity lighting a diva or making an offering to the deity um and then throughout the day um, i try and live by the values that my religion has taught me okay thank you for sharing that so for hitan and sam where there is a more practicing element of your religion how has this practice impacted you in your life I guess for me, I find it easier to visualize. Um, it's very easy to have a mental concept of God. And that goes whenever you kind of forget about him, right? When, he, when he's not in your head and he's gone, um, he's gone, right? And I think the, I, I, you could almost call it a daily check-in with God, right? Like you sit down, you sit in front of that position where you've created that little altar or your little temple space in your home. And even even the pujas, they kind of, for me, teach you a set of uh, principles, right? So you're taking a deity, you're washing it. That is a, uh, a way of caring for someone, right? You're then mm -hmm. dressing the deity. These are all kind of, they're forms of care for me. As you um, light the devil, Devo in the Hindu religion is always seen as a way to bring light. Um, and I yeah. think that's a really good way to start your day. So you bring light to your day. You're starting by kind of bringing that light and taking away any darkness that there may be. And then the other piece um, for me is making an offering. So we eat food, we drink water, we drink all our stuff. We have a great time all the time. But making that mm -hmm. offering to God to say, thank you for what you've provided us. I think that's really, really important part of your daily life as well. It just makes you take stock, right? You've got a lot of stuff, a lot of the stuff in this, what I would call like material world, right? A lot of stuff that we mm -hmm. kind of crave for, we go and get. God has kind of helped us to get there, I would say. And being able to kind of give that back 
um, and say mm. actually you appreciate what you've been given and not just take 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 is kind of it yeah. just te- teaches you a good set of principles I think yeah it teaches you gratitude I can see that yeah gratitude as well agreed Sam Sam how about you so I do what we often call quiet time in journaling so it's just a time that you set aside uh, in my case is in the morning where I take some time to pray, uh, to seek God, uh, read the Bible a bit more, uh, and then maybe sit down and journal my thoughts in uh, uh, relation to the Bible verses I've read or any thoughts that strike me. So I guess that's my equivalent of a daily ritual. And in a lot of ways, yes, it helps you take stock. It, it, it keeps you grounded. Mm. Uh, and then, of course, you can always draw strength from the Bible and the various verses, you know, when you're feeling down and you read a verse or you feel very happy, but you can't quite like um, so-called give thanks to God in the right way. So maybe there'll be a verse there that will help you to frame the words and everything else. I think all of this, it's a, it's a, I believe in God. I believe in Jesus. And therefore I actually, I just want to know him better. I want to know more about this God that I believe in. That's, that's where it's coming from for me. So when I do this morning practice of journaling in quiet time, it's coming from a, I want to keep talking to God. And then I, I, I want God to talk to me too. And I want to hear about him. I want to know about him. I want to, I want to get to know him better as if you would a person physically next to you. So it comes from that. Okay, thank you for sharing that. Nahin, you previously also mentioned that you don't like it when people say, oh, just leave it to God and then not do anything. So I'm really interested to know, what does having faith in God mean to you, regardless of where you are on the spectrum of practicing a religion? So I'll give a very personal example. My dad was uh, unwell last year, right? And it was a situation that was out of my control. Even the doctors weren't able to diagnose him um, properly. So at that point, at the moment of need, when you can't physically do anything about something, it's nice to have a feeling that you can ask someone for help. And that's what that relationship with God is for me. God is a person that I can reach out to when I feel like I'm not in control anymore and I need to ask for help. And it's not, you know, a doctor that you'd have the conversation with, but it's you have the conversation with God. And and that's, I think, a comforting feeling to know that, yes, at least I've asked for some help from a higher being than just mere mortals. But are you then not leaving it up to God? I am leaving it up to God, but it's something I can't do anything about, right? It's when people say, let's say, you know, you graduate from university and you need a good job. To get a good job, you have to do certain things to get there. You can't just be like, oh, I'll apply to five places and, you know, I'll leave it up to God and I'll get I'll get something. You know, in those instances, you can't really just leave it up. Like, you still have to work for it, you have to prepare for interviews, you have to, you know, prepare your CV, etc., right? I was praying to God for help, right, and for my dad to be well. In the background, I was still doing research, right? I was still asking questions to the doctors I was chasing up with them I was calling them so like that didn't stop but the asking God for help was the extra step I went beyond because I felt out of control at the moment okay I get it and I agree so what you're saying is having faith in God should not be a substitute for inaction you can seek help but you still need to be putting in effort and being proactive in any situation so just to chime in with my experience at this point I am Hindu and I grew up in a religious household And in terms of practicing, it was quite similar to you, Hidden. We would do Devo every day, which is the lighting of a lamp that is made of cotton. And a Saturday evening that featured quite a lot in my childhood would be 
My family and I would go to the temple. Sometimes we would meet my extended family there. And the adults would take a walk in the temple grounds and us kids would play badminton or cycle. We would then go into the temple for prayers, uh, give offerings of fruit or flowers, and then we would all go out for dinner. And that was, you know, that was quite a typical Saturday every couple of weeks in my childhood. But when I came to the UK and went to university, it was not just something... I did with family, but something that would only happen if I chose to do it on my own. Yeah. And what happened to me is I was living with a diverse group of people who had lots of different views. So when these conversations would come up to the table, we would talk about it. And, and actually, it would make me think, oh, I'm not so sure about this. I need to go and look it up. It made me question, but... What has happened since then, especially over the last few years, is when I look back, things have just fallen into place. And I say this with the benefit of hindsight, but there have been countless number of occasions where I just think there has got to be a higher power here. So I'll give you two examples. I was at university and I was going to host a netball meet and greet in room 2.21 of that particular building. And I was in full netball kit, carrying a bag of netballs and bibs. And I walked into room 2.12, not 2.21. And it just happened to be in that room, there was a presentation by a law firm that I had never heard of. And the graduate recruitment person saw clearly she's not meant to be here. She's in netball kit. (laughs) And just for a laugh, asked me what I'm studying. And when I said law, he made me sit there. There I was in my Nepple kit listening to this man speak. And that night I applied for an internship. Today, years later, I am still at that firm and so happy. Similarly, the night UCAS was due when I was applying for university, literally minutes before I realized I didn't even have a fifth university choice, my mom said, what about Warwick Law School? You know, isn't that where so-and-so went? And they said that they had a great experience. I literally so quickly looked up the law school and five minutes before the deadline threw in Warwick. And I can't imagine my life without that university experience, without the people I met there. I mean, you guys for starters. And these are just two examples of so many things like this that have happened where I could potentially be doing everything to go against it. And yet it just happens to take place in a certain way that is just so in my favor. Now, when I talk to my sister, who is an economist, has studied maths and statistics and science, she says to me, well, have you just considered that they could all be coincidences? And she starts talking to me about probability and maths and how probability fits into all of this. And I do see where she's coming from. And to be honest, it's really hard for me to debate with her because she's actually trying to show me something tangible. And I am trying to dispute that with a belief. But I have to be honest, even through those debates, I still can't seem to accept that these are coincidences. I still hold on to the belief there is a higher power watching over me. And in appreciating that, I have had this journey of gratitude, which has gone to cement my faith, even when I have questioned it. I realized that was a very long story. Sorry. (laughs) (laughs) It's because you covered literally all the topics you made us all talk about. So it's fine. (laughs) But the point I'm trying to make is this belief that things are happening for a reason and that there is a higher power behind it. Um, Does that resonate with any of you? I think mine was very similar to yours, actually, in a lot of ways. It's not like I didn't go through a period of questioning. Um, So definitely when seeing God work in my favor, it was... Is, is definitely something extremely beautiful. I, I didn't intend to go to Warwick at all to begin with. I just overheard somebody down the corner who was studying, who wanted to study literature go, I think Warwick is a good school. I'm like, what is this school? Warwick? Okay, I've got a slot. I'll put it on. And that was it. Is this how everybody gets to Warwick? Oh, no. I was an LSE, LSE reject. <laughs> 
Nahin, is this how you got to Warwick too? My reason for choosing Warwick was uh, to get as far away from my parents as possible. (laughs) (laughs) Wait, 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 hold on. Your reason was to get as far away as possible from home, yet you picked a university that is what, an hour's drive away from home? Should go to Scotland. You have to be tactical about it, right? You you should be able to come back on the weekends to grab food if you want to. That's the criteria, right? It's hour and a half train journey is, is the is the thing I had to think about. <laughs> so you did have it thought out, huh? Anyway, sorry, back to you, Sam. You were saying you also saw these instances where you feel there was a higher power at play? What what you have detailed definitely matches part of my experience for sure. At the same time I feel I feel the same with Nahin. Like it's hundred percent God, hundred percent men. So you go forth, you plow the fields, you plant your crops. But God is the one who will send the rain and let the crops grow. That's a real good analogy. Okay, and Dips, how about you? I think for me, it's, again, really similar to what you've just said. Things have happened for us in how we've ended up in New Zealand, which we couldn't make up. And you really think that there's someone there looking out for you. But at the same time, with that strength, this stuff that's happened in the last year that we couldn't really understand why. But you come back to that faith thinking, God's always looked out for me. Things always happen for the best. I don't know why this is happening right now. But I believe it's for the best. And whatever will happen next will always be the best. And it just brings things back into perspective when you feel a bit low or unhappy or anxious. Stuff at work isn't going right. Stuff at home or health isn't going the way you wanted it to. Because of everything else that's happened in your past and God has shown that strength, all those things become easier. At the start, Dips, you said that you don't consider yourself to be very religious. Yet, from what you've just said, your faith is so strong. I don't say I'm religious because I don't associate myself with a particular religion. I've never really questioned which God I follow or which is the right God that I should be following. I just know there's a God. And for me, that's enough. Mm, Okay. And Hithen, do you have any thoughts in relation to this? I think what Dipali said there about the the negative aspects as well, I think you have to look at those and take strength from those as well and how mm-hmm. we kind of um, are able to elevate ourselves after a negative event has happened or something something has not worked out in the way that we expected it to. I'm quite a believer that there is a plan as well. It may not be completely set in stone, right? So we still can make our own choices, but there is a plan that that is, yeah, that is out there for us. I really want to ask you about destiny and fate at this point, Hithen, but I think that is definitely outside the remit of this episode. So moving to the wider context of this conversation, have any of you yourself felt or seen in your circles this reluctance to talk about faith or people hide their religion for whatever reason? For me, I used to not question as much before. Then there was a point when I started questioning stuff and I was like, why are we doing this? Why does this happen? And my my mom is quite religious, so she would get quite uncomfortable about it. And she would ask me, like, do you not believe in God anymore? And so I'm like, no, but I'm, I believe in it. And that's why I'm asking questions. But I think her defense, to, to her defense, is like, she's not a scholar, right? So the, ask, the questions I'm asking are more scholarly questions. And so she would tell me, like, okay, you should speak to people who know about it who will be able to give you the answer. I've come to a point where I have asked those questions and I've read books about it and I've come to some conclusions on my own and I have now stopped bringing up those questions because they make people uncomfortable Uh, because a lot of people don't know the answers to certain things or, you know, they don't want to be challenged. Mm. From what I've seen through my household, it's the women that carry out 
the prayers in the household on a daily basis. So from a very young age, my mom, similar to you, would ask us to come and do the puja with her. And she taught us how. And it was one of those things I had to do. And then once I moved out, it's not something I have continued to do. And I do feel there's a slight disappointment or worry that the religion that they understand it to be today will not be passed down to the grandchildren and generations to come, which is really hard when, you know, I love my mum and my parents. And to see that disappointment, it can become quite a difficult conversation to have, even with Hitton's family. I think people have expectations of their children to follow in the same way they have followed. And anything that is different can be quite challenging to talk about. But I think over time, I've become more comfortable to talk about it. And I think they've become more receptive to listening to it. But it's that initial push and challenge has always been a real struggle. I've always been vocal about certain... I would call traditions rather than religion, where I just don't think they are right and have an open debate. And I think they just kind of expect it now. You know, in the beginning is the here she goes again. But now they're like, okay, we'll, we'll have a listen. They, they don't, they might not agree, but that's okay. That is their opinion. And they're allowed to have a different opinion to what I have, but at least they're willing to listen to mine too. <laughs> I think that's what religion is. It's how each individual can feel their connection to God. And if it's different, that's, it's different. Mm. Hidden? During the earlier years of my religious journey, I would have probably hidden my faith a bit more. Though I've been kind of going to temple and practicing and stuff like that, I think the level of understanding wasn't there. And therefore, if I was ever questioned on my religion, then I would maybe struggle to answer some of the questions and therefore avoid talking so much about my faith. As my religious journey has kind of developed over the years, I think I've become much more open and much more clear about my faith. So if if anybody wants to ask me about something, I will answer them because I have a answer for the rituals that I choose to do. So because I, I, I know why I choose to do them, it's, it's very clear for me to explain to somebody. It's not something that's been passed down anymore. It's something that I've actually made my own. That, that's what then gives me confidence to talk about my faith, my religion, and um, be able to share it with anybody openly. Mm. Now, Sam, it's different in Singapore, isn't it? My experience when I was there was that people don't hide it. People talk about it openly. I don't actually know any person who hides the religion, really. I, I don't know whether it's also because Singapore, we have four main races and we are secular and we, at the same time, when you grow up, we have Racial Harmony Day. We know of each other's cultures, religions, you know, at least bits of it. And we celebrate, you know, Deepavali, I have holidays, Chinese New Year, they have holidays. And then we know when our Muslim friends are doing the fast. So we know all of these things and I think it makes us more culturally sensitive. So in that sense, I don't think people feel like they need to hide your religion. And then like, yeah, my office, like if we go for lunch, then yeah, I have a Muslim colleague and we we find places that are halal and that suit her dietary requirements. So having grown up with all of this, people don't really hide. The only times I know where people have hidden their faith is usually when it's a very unbridled attack. On it. Then it's not so much that they hide their faith, but it's exactly like what Hitin Nahin said. I mean, you just you're not, you're not comfortable. You don't have the answers. Maybe you haven't gotten there. You're still young, and and you're just like, oh, okay, um, yes, thanks for bludgeoning the life out of what I believe in. Uh, I have nothing really to say to you, but um, that's true. And Sam, you mentioned Diwali, and you know, in Singapore was the first time I ever had an official public holiday for Diwali. I have had the really good fortune and privilege, I would say, of always being in a very multicultural society. But never had I experienced someone from a different religion and culture to me 
knowing so much about my own. I mean, I had Chinese Buddhists, Chinese Christians, Malaysian Muslims talk to me about the significance of Diwali. And they were telling me where I can go and buy mithai, which are the Indian sweets. They were telling me which temples to avoid for crowds. And it was just so amazing to see that. I can't explain the warmth that I felt. So Sam, I really can relate when you say that the only time that you've really felt like hiding it is if there is a direct verbal attack to you. But in addition to that, any other reasons? I think maybe because most people don't come to the table with enough information and and mind that is open enough as well to deal with it. Because in order to have a real proper discussion and to say uh, there's this aspect of religion that I don't think makes much sense, can we discuss this logically? You have to understand that you are attacking something that's extremely, extremely personal and intimate to this person, you see. And if you don't go there with enough knowledge, both sides with enough knowledge, then one person will feel like they're on the back foot all the time being attacked. And you can't have a productive conversation. I, I think it's just really hard because even when you see online on YouTube, there are so many debates between atheists and Christians and you know different religions and so on and so forth. Unless like both sides are experts and have delved deeply into their side and they're open-minded about it. Most of the debates are quite, they end up quite unproductive and they end up aggressive. And then, I mean, you don't really get a sense of, okay, I have thoroughly explored your point and I actually, I agree that, you know, at the end of the day, I can't prove God. But at the end of the day, you can't disprove God either. So where does that leave us, you know? And can we just leave it at that? No, because people want to make a point. People want to take home, uh, you know, a hit from four victory points or something, you know, and say, I have scalped this man. Look, this is his scalp. <laughs> I think it's not easy because like religion is something that's extremely sensitive, personal and intimate to everybody who practice it. And the non-religion is same thing, same thing. People's beliefs are just so intimately intertwined with themselves that it's very hard to sit down and talk about it. I think I agree with Sam. It's a lack of open-mindedness most of the time is everyone's religious journey is different. And having this mine is right and yours is wrong mentality just can't exist because everyone's experience is so personal. And I think mm -hmm. once we move away from that, it can become easier to have an open-minded conversation about why do you believe that way to understand not to question or belittle and I think that's where the reluctance is coming from and it's so hard to get to that point <laughs> so hard, yeah mm. so coming to you now Nahin with the rise in terrorism it is clear from media and political depiction that Muslims have been marginalized and the act of a few have been portrayed as a grouping together of Muslims across the world. Have you experienced any hostility in this respect? The reason I ask this is because research also shows that one of the reasons people are reluctant to talk about faith and religion is for fear of being seen as an extremist. Yeah, I think that's definitely true. I, I well, I firstly to say I personally haven't faced any like racist attacks towards me, directed towards me. But I definitely feel there is a negative connotation to being Muslim nowadays, right? And and the media is portrayed it and really played on it. And I think we need to have a strong voice to stand up against it, to make a point yeah. with our friends and our circles uh, that they're aware that you know ninety nine percent of Muslims in the world are actually good people. Is the one person who are the extremists who are, you know, fueling this, this portrayal that the media is playing on. Mm. My final question to you all is, how do you think we can encourage people to not be afraid and actually get to a place where we can encourage people to learn, to talk and to educate themselves? We all need to focus on 
um, than probably the next generation because it's probably gone for our generation. But the younger kids, they need to be taught those values of being open. We need to support them by actually answering their questions when they ask and not saying, I don't know, um, or at least teaching them how and where they can go and get the answers, whether that's taking them to the local temple to talk to the priest there. They need to um, be taught that from a really young age. But I think apart from that, maybe we need to, in, in some ways, we need to model being able to speak about it more. Sometimes you get the sense that, you know, maybe people want to ask you or sometimes you get the sense that people um, are a bit shy about the religion. Then maybe you can just encourage them to have that conversation. Then at least, you know, they had a stepping stone of a very nice, comfortable co conversation with you where you're actually curious about what they do or what's in it for them or what's happening for them and stuff like that. So that sort of like prepares them later on. You know, I've passed the tutorial of speaking to Sam and now I can maybe later on, if I feel like it, I can speak to Ketna about it. And that is something we can all do, right? Starting at a micro level within your own circles. And in yeah, that approach, in that micro approach, I think it's always about um, being constructive in the conversation. So mm. as soon as we become critical, we probably lose the trust of that person and that person probably yeah. then never wants to talk about it again. So I think it's always about being constructive and maybe getting them to talk about their story. So yeah, that's a real, real good point, Sam. Amazing. And information is so easily accessible now. Ignorance is really just not a good enough excuse, is it? Given we have the right information, uh, you know, and not misinformation, like that's the other risk we have in, in this day and age is misinformation or people having different agendas and propagandas being like flown around the place. I think people also have to be educated enough to understand, to get sources, different sources of information to make up their mind and not just necessarily yeah. one source of information and like build up a worldview based on that. It's important for us, especially in the Asian community, to decouple culture and religion. They are very intertwined and at least how I've been brought up, this generation has been brought up with a very like intertwined culture and tradition where parents take a rejection of religion to be a rejection of culture as well, which is not necessarily true. So I think if you can separate those things as we bring up our next generation of kids and encourage them to think about more widely about religion and the worldviews, it'll hopefully encourage more discussions and more like open-mindedness around this. Hmm. Dibs, how do you think we can encourage people to not be afraid? The piece I found most interesting in the discussion we've had today is both yours and Sam's experience of Singapore and how it is so inclusive. No one is scared to talk about religion because from school you're taught about different religions. Your public holidays are based around all the religions. It's so inclusive. And I guess that's the aspiration for all communities to live with that open-mindedness. I think going back to what Sam said, ask the question when you see someone wants to talk to you about it. Be open-minded and hopefully you can encourage people to be the same. And I think that all of that has to start with respect. As, as a bottom line, it is about going into these conversations ready that other people will have a different view. And you know what? That's okay. So thank you all so much for sharing your journeys and talking about your faith at a time when people may be reluctant to do so. Quick thanks to Katna for having us. But also like starting this podcast, I think it's a great initiative. So well done. Uh, and thanks for having me. Thank you. Thank for you, Kat. Thanks for having us.